Welcome to the Gottesdienst crowd, where we foster confessional integrity, liturgical preservation, and preaching that doesn't stink. We believe that the historic liturgy of the divine service is more than mere cobwebs of antiquity, but it is a true treasure of the Church to be dusted off and brought down from her attic to be enjoyed. So let's get dusting. Welcome back to the Gottesdienst crowd. This is Jason Broughton. Today we have back with us Carl Hess. Welcome back, Carl. Hi, how you doing? Uh, real well. Uh, Post-Christmas, had some time with family. Uh, so all rested up, tanned, ready. Uh, not tanned, uh, but uh, ready to get back at it. How about you? Yeah, I'm refreshed and uh, ready for the fight. All right. Ready for the, ready for the prize. Yeah, there you go. So we are, uh, well, last time we talked, we talked about kind of the lost art of, uh, you know, what we had received in previous generations in terms of training martyrs for the prize, that that the early church, the early Christians really desired to be like Christ, uh, to, to be counted worthy to suffer on his behalf. And, mm. and this was a major part of the catechetical instruction of those early Christians. And, and we kind of went through not only the biblical examples, but even examples from the early martyrs. And you came back to me later and said, you know, there are a lot of hymns that actually help us do this, that really maybe perhaps we should incorporate into our nightly devotions kind of as a, a, a rallying cry, so to speak, uh, to... Uh, well, just like music always does, right? It it gets the blood flowing. It gets you ready for what you're about to embark on, um, and, yeah. and this would be a great way to to add to our devotional life so that we are training uh, through the hymns that we sing. So, what did you find? Well, i I found uh, about thirty pages of hymns, and I. I didn't figure we had time for all of that. So um, I tried to limit it to, I tried to limit it primarily to ones that people know. Cause if you, um, if you look back in TLH, the red hymnal, or you uh, pick up Walther's hymnal, Matthew Carver's translation of the first hymnal of the Missouri Synod, you will find absolute gems and, and just a treasure trove of hymns that teach these things in beautiful ways. But I tried, to, but a lot of times, uh, you know, f- folks are not real comfortable. Not everybody is comfortable with singing. Um, not pe- people are not always used to using hymns in their devotions. So I tried to limit it to ones that we already. I have some that we don't already know, but mostly ones that we do know. And and are, so so these things about martyrdom are being taught in our hymns already. We just maybe mm. don't. I'll say for myself. I didn't really pay attention to them. If you're not engaged in, um, if you have a tendency to, like I think a lot of us do, to run away from difficult things or to think that the uh, Christian life is supposed to be being winsome all the time, then you know you're not really engaged in struggles like this. So these verses of these hymns don't really mean much to you. But there are, mm-hmm. um, but there are basically four, as I as I see it four ways that the hymns teach and prepare people for martyrdom. And one is they call us to, the first one is they call us to war. 
They call us to Christian warfare and to engage in the struggle. So obviously this was not only a problem. It's not just a problem of our time. It's a problem of earlier times too, that people forget that, that we are called to a struggle and a contest. The second mm-hmm. and the most important part is meditation on Christ, both as an example and as a gift in his death and resurrection, in his gift of justification now. And um, then there are two other sections. One is two other ways they do this. One is they teach preparation for death. That's something that I think is very uh, foreign to us, and it's not it's not part of our experience anymore, but not that long ago was, because if you take out the red hymnal, you will find the section on, I don't know, death and burial, last things, all this is way longer than what you'll find in LSB. It was on people's mind more. And if you go back into the Reformation, you'll find whole manuals written on on the art of dying. And so that's one of the ways they, they prepare us for struggle. And then the final thing is they point us to the um, to our hope, the the goal of the race, the mm-hmm. and how the uh, saints before us are 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 urging us on, and 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 like a choir or like a like a crowd cheering us to finish the race. So that's kind of the four sections. Okay, so uh, a call to engage in the struggle to to take yep. up the contest, uh, then yes. Uh, meditation upon Christ as an example and a gift, uh, preparing mm-hmm. us for death, and then encouragement mm-hmm. towards gaining that goal, to pointing us to our final and ultimate hope. Um, so, so those are the four sections. Uh, take us through the the, the call to war. Uh, perhaps maybe that would be the the one that is uh, perhaps m- most difficult for Christians. Uh, in these latter days, to to wrap their heads around that that actually our, our our forebears were always calling us to struggle, calling us to yeah. enter the contest. Uh, what do you have for us there? Well, can I just first? I'd like to just give a, a like a prolegomena here, a a, a uh, an encouragement. If they're lay, I'm assuming that no, this isn't just for laymen. It's for pastors too. So a lot of people are just they don't. Um, the reason why these hymns, I think, a lot of times that we don't get what they're teaching about some of these things is because we don't sing them enough. And um, so, really, singing hymns as part of your devotions at home, whether privately or with your families, it's just so important. And I, and I know I sing a hymn at the. Every time the council meets at church, we 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 pray through the we use our our prayer guide, and there's a hymn in there. and And one guy <laughs> one time said, "Why do you always make us sing?" Like, and the reason was because he's not comfortable with singing. And it needs to be said, this is not a performance. You are when you sing in the church, um, you don't have to, you you are given you you have permission to sing badly. Um, mm-hmm. because your, your voice, it's because, because your voice is part of the voice of the body of Christ. And this is part mm-hmm. of the way you build. It's not just, it's for you. It builds you up in the faith when you sing the word of God, but you're also building up the brothers in Christ. And so they need you to do this, even if you sing poorly. Um, so I, and, and one of the things that I think everyone should get 
and they should sing these hymns is Carver's translation of Walther's hymnal. There's so much in there that's not in our hymn book now. Verses from Gerhard hymns and things like that that are that we're we're missing. And and so take that, use it in your in your devotions, like every day. And if you don't know how to sing the tune or whatever, just read the words. Because uh, without using the hymns constantly, um, you know, they want it's kind of like if you read the scripture, if you only hear the scripture on Sunday. Um, you'll, you'll be nourished in your faith, but you'll be anemic because you won't, you're, you're, you're not, um, taking in the, the, the bread of life and you're not, you're not allowing the Holy spirit to, you're not meditating on the scripture in such a way that, um, you'll be rich in, in the, in the gifts of God. And the same thing is true with him. So that's my caveat. Now back to the calls to war. The first hymn and probably the most important one that everybody knows is um, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It's, it, and it's so obvious in it that you kind of like hit yourself in the head when you listen to it. Um, the very beginning of the, the very, it's a, the entire thing, it's not directly a call to war. He doesn't say, let's go to war. He's just telling us, he's assuming we are at war. <laughs> right. Mighty fortress is our God, a trusty shield and weapon. He helps us free from every need that hath us now or taken. The old evil foe now means deadly woe. Deep guile and great might are his dread arms in fight. On earth is not his equal. So whether you want to be or not, you're engaged in a war in a conflict. Mm-hmm. And I guess I don't want to do a monologue here, but so I'll just say this. Um, when you, if you are a pastor and you have to go do, you have to go talk to someone and tell them that they should, you know, you tell them something they don't want to hear and you're worried about what is this going to do? You know, what's this going to do in the congregation? Um, you're scared. Uh, so often we, our tendency is to run away from those things rather than run toward them, which is what we what we talked about last time um we are but what luther's telling us here is uh we are equipped for the war our god is a shield and weapon he's going to aid and defend us as we go do those things as we don't run away from them but run toward them he's going to give us he helps us free from every need that hath us now or taken so that's that's the beginning of that hymn, but the whole, the entire hymn is a, is a call to warfare. Yeah. But that's, this is really, uh, really good. I mean, I, I know when I go to exercise, uh, and yeah. say I'm not feeling it, um, I, I'll need to put on some of my, you know, pump music, right? Something yeah. to get you kind of pumped up the blood flowing, get you ready. Like, all right, let's get after it. Let's do this. Um, yeah. It kind of sounds like you're advocating. You, we actually have a, uh, a a core of hymns that help us do just that when we are facing something difficult to remind us, to get us pumped, to do what is before us, and to remind us of the the God who has equipped us and and remains with us on that field of battle. Yeah, it gets us pumped. Hopefully. Um, that hymn, of course, I mean, it kind of does, right? You sing it on, <laughs> on Reformation Sunday. 
you feel pro- like you're like, yeah, all the devils fill the world and they all want to just devour us. We don't care. Right. And you're, we, we sing that, but um, when it comes, when, when you get out of the church service and then, then that's, but absolutely. Um, I can think of times where uh, I had to go confront something and I was, fr- I was nervous about it and I had a long drive. So um, it, the thing about the, that music too, when you're in the gym and you don't want to do it is uh, it takes your mind off of, it takes your mind off of going over and over the pain or whatever, the irritation that you have. Um, hymns do that too. It's just as a practical matter. You sing the hymns when you're going to confront something or, or whatever, something you're, you're, you're nervous or anxious about. You, you've got your uh, loved one in the hospital, right? You sing the hymns to yourself. In addition to pumping you up, it takes you as a practical matter it uh, shuts down the voice in your head that's trying to to get you not to do it. But I think the mm-hmm. other thing is too; these hymns actually teach us in a way they point. They're they're like an older brother or a, a a wise pastor who's been through this stuff, and he's telling you this is how you do it. Yeah, this is how you deal with the practicalities. Because uh, one day, like, if you're going to go uh, literally be martyred. If you're going to go, you're gonna, you're Martin Luther, you're going to go stand in front of, um, you're going to go to the Diet of, of Arms and you're going <laughs> to, you're going to stand in front of the emperor and you know, this is life or death. Uh, many people, unless you're, some people are naturally courageous, I guess. I know that it's not, I'm not one of them. I don't think, um, <laughs> when I have had to do things like that, not anything like that, but much less, much smaller things. My my brain is trying to figure out a way that I can do what's, you know, that I, my my flesh is trying to figure out how can I how can I get out of this, mm-hmm. and uh, it, your, your your rational mind is not working anymore. Um, so when you get into that situation, um, is not going to be the time that you're gonna you're gonna develop the ability to do it, uh, mm-hmm. but. When Martin Luther went into that situation, how did he go into, how did he go there and say, yep, I'm just ready to, he had prepared for it. But I think part of it too was he knew that God was, that he had been called by God to do this and that God, it was God's, it was God's fight. And he was simply a soldier um, in the battle and he was going, and he was, he was going to rely on the Lord to enable him to speak and to and to get and to give him the victory, whether that was through death or through life, and yeah. this hymn—that's um, what this hymn is teaching us. We can't, mm-hmm. uh, but the but the problem is often that we're just like you said. We don't we uh, we come up with an excuse where we don't have to do the fight, uh, so that because of the gospel or something. When in actuality, yeah. the gospel calls into the fight. Yeah. The gospel enables us to go and confess Christ before the emperor and mm-hmm. to and, and to win the victory if the emperor decides we're dead. So Yeah, I was just talking to, with Peterson the other day about uh, I can't remember what we were going through, but we were we were discuss oh, it was the transfiguration. Um and okay. he's talking about how, you know, at every stage when our Lord is going through some kind of suffering. 
at the end of it, uh, the father sends the holy angels to minister to him, and and he says he says uh, uh, this taught you know this taught our Lord that when he's in the midst of Gethsemane, when he calls out, "Is there another way? Not another way, but can this cup pass?" That this is this mm. is Jesus's request for the Father to send the angels. And uh, and that's what the Lord does. That's what the Father does. Sends the angels to to, to minister unto to Jesus in the garden. Perhaps in the same way as we uh, sing these these hymns, we recognize our frailty and uh, mm. and our, um, our our fleshly desire not to to face what we know must be faced. And if mm. when we begin to sing these things, which are it's always the sung word of God, that we're that this is calling out for the choirs of angels to come and minister unto us and to help us in this, uh, not just to to pump us up, which it does, but also mm-hmm. uh, as a cry for aid. Mm. Yeah, that's. I mean, I didn't. That probably would be that definite, and that thought is in some of the some of some of the 25 pages of hymns that I'm not going to deal with, but that's, um, that's interesting to think about because Jesus is, well, this is the thing. If you, if you are, um, a lot of times, you know, you've had this experience where you're, you're ministering to old, old folks who are nearing the end of their life and there have been health problem after health problem. Right. And -hmm. it's really hard to know, this whole line of thinking has helped me have something to say to them. Um, I'm not sure that it always makes them feel better at the time, but the thought it's similar, not as good as what Peterson was saying, but um, sometimes I'll tell them the Lord will give you, he's has you in the crucible and he'll give you relief. He's going to, he'll give you rest when you are, you know, when it, when, when it's his time to do that. But eventually, though, they, I don't know if I say it like this to them. I, I would be more careful about how I said it. But we experience you know, trial, and then we get relief. And then, and then he leads us into another one. He's, but, and then there's the final one. And then there's, then there's no more trials. But oftentimes, we all have this mentality uh, as though I think Jesus knew he wanted the father to to release him from the pain of the cross, but um, he he knew that the goal was to leave this world. And I think a lot of times we don't. It's just sort of like we don't think that way. We don't know that the goal is ultimately either martyrdom or or simply death and then resurrection. And so we can't really run away from these things. And but the father sends relief. He, he knows you can't have uninterrupted trial the entire your entire life. So he, sometimes he gives you rest, and maybe and I never really have thought about that that he sends the angels to minister to us, but that's very comforting to think about. And I wish I had thought of it myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have that. I have Peterson that feeling instead. a lot when I talk to Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why he's been at this game for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that he gives that, that that the father gives these things to us as encouragements, right? Uh, not only mm-hmm. encouraging Jesus in his uh, his obedience, whether uh, mm-hmm. active or passive uh, obedience, 
but that they're they're also encouragements uh, to the disciples, like uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. They overhear right. who this you know this is this is my beloved son, uh, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him, and then mm-hmm. there, you know, our Lord uh, is is standing in between the Father's voice and the disciples, and and reaches out and touches them and say says you know rise. Uh, you know, let us go, or do not be afraid, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. like let us be about what we're supposed to be about, and uh, and mm-hmm. it's going to be okay, <laughs> right? Yeah, but we're not hanging out here forever, like like you want to do, which is kind of like, yeah. And then as soon as they get off, but yeah, absolutely, he's 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 preparing the three of them on one level. Obviously, I don't want to get into this because. I'm sure you already had a better conversation with Peterson about this, but um, yeah, it, he's he he's doing it in some ways to give Peter a testimony that that we hear in Second Peter. We heard the father mm-hmm. testify that this is his son, but it's also because they are going to Jerusalem, and Peter doesn't really want him to go there yet. But that's so that's right. the thing. Peter could not wrap his head around the fact that the cross was the goal which is similar. I don't know if it's supposed to be the same way for, for us after Easter, but that's the way it is though. For most of mm-hmm. us, we, we sort of always have this delusion that um, the victory comes some other way. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, you know, instead of in the, instead of in the difficult thing, like you're always saying. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you have other right, so my- examples in, in that yeah, first section? I mean, there are a million and, a, you know, there's tons, but the this one has been a hymn that I have loved for a long time. And I think we sang it at seminary and then we didn't, nobody knows, nobody knew it in my, people didn't know it in my first congregation. And I don't think they knew it real well at this one either, but I, I, we sing it anyway, because it's so good and so important. I think it's uh St. Patrick's breastplate. I bind unto myself today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, should I read it, or the parts that are important, or just yeah, yeah, I should yeah, just highlight okay. that. I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity by invocation of the same, the three and one, and one and three. I bind this day to me forever by power of faith, Christ's incarnation, His baptism in the Jordan River, His cross of death for my salvation his bursting from the spiced tomb, his riding up the heavenly way, his coming at the day of doom, I bind unto myself today. Against the demon snares of sin, the vice that gives temptation force, the natural lusts that war within, the hostile foes foes that mar my course, or few or many, far or nigh, in every place and in all hours, against their fierce hostility, I bind to me those holy powers. And I skipped one of the great stands. But what? why is this? Uh, this is, again, not simply a call to war, but if you know the tune, it definitely has the, um, it definitely has a martial ring to it. So it gets you pumped up, I guess. But also, what's he saying? When I invoke the name of the Trinity, when I remember my baptism, I'm also putting on, I'm strapping on, my gear, or what do they call it? What do the army guys call it? I don't know, like your kit or something. 
I'm strapping on my 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 uh, my gear for war, and that is I put on Christ and all that He has done. And he goes on to say, "I bind to myself the power of God. You know, his, his omniscience, his omnipotence, his his uh, wisdom to teach. I should have read this one. His hand to guide, his shield to ward. So I'm equipping myself not with my own natural gifts, but with the uh, with the perp- with the person with the person of Christ and with um, the power of God in order to go to war against the demon snares of sin, the vice that gives temptation force. So we're actually engaged in warfare daily with our sinful nature. Uh, just the problem is, of course, we don't really, we don't really recognize it. We only recognize it when something big comes up. We don't realize the little skirmishes we're in all the time, but, uh, I love it. I love this because this is a, this is the hymn, you know, this is a hymn you should memorize for when you are faced with some, some, something in your calling that you're, that you don't want to do, but you know, you need to do that. You go to it, um, in, in the almighty power of the son of God who conquered death. And, um, yeah, I, 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 th- I don't know. So in terms of how do you teach this as a pastor to your catechumens, I, I think the, I, I don't know, but I think the number one thing you do is you have to sing these hymns. You have to mm-hmm. and normalize normalize singing hymns, and then yeah. once that, like so many things, once you have internalized something, once it's known by heart, then you can begin to say, you know how we say this, but you can't really do that very well if they don't know it. Which is just like when you catechize people in the Bible stories, they got to know the story before you can tell them what it means. Uh, I think these hymns are like this, but this hymn is great. And then I think, isn't, do you know the history of it? I, I read, so I don't know if it's true or not, but I read somewhere that uh, St. Patrick wrote this because the, the Irish or the Celts or whatever were really into like doing charms and wards and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he like, and normally I don't necessarily like that kind of thing, but he, but he showed how, I mean, what's so beautiful about this is it teaches us that when we invoke the name of the Trinity, we're not simply engaging in a ritual or, or I don't know what people think, but we are in a, you know, we are invoking, we are placing upon ourselves by faith, the, the might we're of that we are doing like what second Peter says, where we are, um, we are participating in the divine nature. Yeah. We're going to do what, what God has called us to do by virtue of the fact that we're united to Jesus Christ. And so he goes in us and with us. And if you, and to the extent that you grasp that, um, you know, then it becomes fun in a sense. I mean, yeah, it's not always it's, fun, but like, right. It, it, it almost sounds like it's like a hymnic version expounding upon Ephesians chapter six, you know, putting on the whole armor of God, uh, against yeah. the you know the slings and arrows, uh, not of outrageous fortune, but uh, f- you know from the devil and from his demons yeah. and the powers and principalities yeah. of uh, of of this present age. For sure, it's in, in in rather than it just being like some kind of spiritual like 
plate metal or something. He's saying like he's saying that it's uh, we're putting on Christ Himself and His work, which is so. Um, yeah. So this hymn, this hymn is calling us like many others, and I'll, and I guess I could give you, I could give you like a a, a stanza here or there. They're just doing it all the time. The, the one of the hymns, one of our baptism hymns that most people know. Baptized into your name, most holy, O Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Uh, mm-hmm. In the stanza that they took out of LSB, um, it's I think this is one of the two stanzas they took out. And I have vowed, it says, My loving Father, thou dost take me to be henceforth thy child and heir. My faithful Savior, thou dost make me the fruit of all thy sorrows share. Thou, Holy Ghost, will, keep, will comfort me when darkest clouds around I see. And then it says... And I have vowed to love and fear thee and to obey thee, Lord, alone. Because the Holy Ghost did move me, I dared to pledge myself thine own, renouncing sin to keep the faith and war with evil unto death. Um, And then uh, just as another example, the hymn, Lord Jesus Christ, the church's head, um, the last stanza. And for your gospel, let us dare to sacrifice all treasure Teach us to bear your blessed cross, to find in you all pleasure. O grant us steadfastness in joy and distress, lest we, Lord, you forsake. Let us by grace partake of endless joy and gladness. So a lot of these hymns that teach martyrdom, or at least teach that we are called to bear the cross and to, and to, to suffer all things rather than, than deny Christ, are taught in the refor- in the Reformation hymns, like that. Those that last one was a Reformation hymn. So I don't know what it is specifically about the time that we live in, where we've sort of gotten this idea that the gospel is um, not a call to warfare, but a call to relax or something. I don't know if any. I'm sure people would say nobody says that, but in a way, that appears to me to be the way. It seems to be a thing. In, in a lot of folks that um, the gospel is, you know, my sins are forgiven and now I just wait until, until I die as painlessly as possible. Is that, is that just, the, does that sound at all accurate to you or is that just me? No, uh, that's, that's great. Um, yeah. I, I you, think it's, you, a, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You, you see it all, all around. Like, um, well, I mean, there. I think we've been uh, catechized to, to, um, well, I, I guess maybe Christianity has become kind of a cult of niceness, and mm. and because of that, uh, we uh, distance ourselves from you know certain kinds of psalms like imprecation and things like that, uh, and we don't yeah. see them for their actual worth. Um, a friend of mine, I can't remember who it is now, once called uh, like the Psalms of Lament and the, the 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 Psalms of Imprecation as kind of release valves, ways to yeah. give voice to the things that we're actually enduring and to point them in the right yeah. direction, so that we don't take vengeance ourselves, but leave it to the Lord because yeah. vengeance belongs to Him. And 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 what we've done instead is kind of bottled up those emotions. Uh, uh, which you know, emotions are always um, signs of something, right? Either being sinned against or our own sins, and uh, or you know, or of you know, great joy and relief 
uh, because of yeah. uh, 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 of something. But but we bottle them up and then we just push them down and then eventually it just explodes and it usually explodes in a in a really bad way. And I think that's a demonic mm. tendency to want us to to keep us from doing that, uh, from from going to God in the way that He wants us to go to Him. Hmm. Yeah, I I, re- I think I remember Kleinig saying stuff like that, but mm. um, and I I think that's true, and I think that also we're afraid of the Psalms of imprecation because we don't, you know, we're not able to distinguish. That's a whole nother topic, but it's you know, yeah. not being able to distinguish between mortal and venial sin, and and not fully grasping the. I don't. I don't think that um, we're justified by Christ, and so we are able to pl- pray. Although we are, you know, we're able to pray as as those who've been declared righteous by God, and we're also able to pray that God, um, that God takes vengeance on his enemies. But I just also think, I think it's probably, we live in a, a culture that for whatever reason has become the idea that suffering is ever a good thing is sort of, it's almost as though and it's probably been in my lifetime, but uh, it's just what, the, what's the point of life? The point of life is to, is to, you know, you have to work, but then, the point is to retire and get a um, a boat and uh, get as much stuff as possible. Ease and comfort and and is kind of like a has become a god in our culture. And that's why with the COVID thing too, like yeah, the the mentality that there could anything be anything more important than preserving anyone's life for a few years. I'm not saying I'm not you know, necessarily trying to step on any toes here or offend anyone, but I'm saying that that was just incomprehensible to people that there might be something more important than, um, than, you know, what, than earthly life or whatever. Uh, just seems like for whatever reason, we have lost the sense that there's, you know, that there's anything more. Jesus said, um, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And um, he he said that some people are choked by the worries and cares and pleasures of this life. And it the the time we live in is just you know the idea that you would ask somebody to to abstain from their sexual desires for any reason is almost like you're condemning them to misery or something like that. So right. these hymns still still think that uh, that you know there's a time when it's more important that for the gospel we are we're called to suffer sometimes and that we are actually the the focus of the Christian life is a competition and a and a conflict. It's not um, yes we are justified by grace. Through faith alone, it's a gift, and that is the very reason why we are called to enter into the conflict. Like, like that verse that uh, Paul, what, what Paul says to Timothy, I think, for for this reason we both labor and struggle because we put our hope in the living God. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, I should yeah, probably not, move it, on from this. Yeah, it's oh, not an excuse to avoid, but the very reason to to, to engage, yeah. right? 
Yeah. Right. And All right, so- I'm, I, I'm, I'm good at talking about this and not living it, but I really think, yeah, our, our, my, our mindset is often wrong. We think that joy is found in avoiding conflict, difficult things in actual, in actuality. And I'm not saying go fight with people for no reason and be a jerk or, or, or be unloving to people, but the joy is found, especially for a minister of the gospel in following after Christ mm-hmm. and going and confronting false teaching and, and going and rescuing the sheep that is caught in the brambles of sin and so forth. Okay. So uh, with that in mind, your second category was meditation on Christ, not only as gift, but also as example. Uh, what kind of examples do you have of hymns that, that teach us to do that? The most important one is, I mean, there's a lot of them in the Lent section of LSB. The most important one is, or for me anyway, is Jesus grant that balm and healing in thy holy wounds I find by Johann Hermann in in the 1600s. I'll read the parts that are are value or that that struck struck me and and that have come back to me at various times. in my life. Jesus grant that balm and healing in thy holy wounds. I find every hour that I am feeling pains of body and of mind. Should some evil thought within tempt my treacherous heart to sin, show the peril and from sinning, keep me ere its first beginning. Should some lust or sharp temptation prove too strong for flesh and blood. Let me think upon thy passion and the breach is soon made good. Or should Satan press me hard, let me then be on my guard, saying Christ for me was wounded, that the tempter flee confounded. Mm. Um, so we could go on and read more of it, but um, the first thing is, notice the way that this is a guy writing in 1644. He's saying, he's talking about pains of body and of mind. Maybe he would, I think the, you know, I think the Thirty Years' War was over, but he's 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 telling us when we are tempted to sin, it's frequently because of what we're feeling pain of some sort, mm-hmm. emotional pain, it, physical pain. It it didn't end until 1648. Oh, so he's still going through that too, <laughs> pain that we can't even begin to imagine. So he's he's going through stuff that makes us look small, but nevertheless, we. You know, I think most of us can uh, look back on our lives and say, when I'm tempted to sin, it's frequently because of, I'm trying to, one of the reasons why I'm tempted to sin is trying to escape pain, right? Mm -hmm. So he says, when I'm feeling pains of body and of mind, grant that I find balm and healing in your wounds. So um, the the cure for my, um, the cure for, rather than look to, um, various forms of amusement or other, or other, uh, or other ways of dulling pain that people engage in. Let me find healing in your wounds. And then he says, should some, so I, instead of, instead of looking to these other things, I look to Christ crucified. I meditate mm-hmm. on his suffering for me and on his love for me and on the forgiveness of my sins that came through his, his agony and his death. And then he says, should some evil thought within show the peril and from sinning, keep me from its first beginning. So he's asking 
Christ who died for sin to to make him realize the deadly results of sin. So that comes through meditation on his cross as well. The next, ver- But the next stanza is the one that's come back to me again and again. Should some lust or sharp temptation prove too strong for flesh and blood, let me think upon thy passion and the breach is soon made good. So oftentimes, um, people maybe don't know this, pastors probably do, uh, when someone is overwhelmed with a temptation, whether it's you know lust or temptations to doubt the faith or something like that, I mean, where you can't explain why you're suddenly just like, you know, you're it's it's as though you've been hit by an arrow or something. Well, this is a sat- this is a satanic temptation probably, or it's a you know it's it's a demo- it's a fiery dart of the devil. He says, when that happens. Let me think upon thy passion, and the breach is soon made good. And then he says, and then he goes on and says, uh, if Satan presses me hard, let me be on my guard, saying, Christ for me was wounded, that the tempter flee confounded. So there's two things that he's basically directly telling us to do. First is to meditate on Christ's sufferings when we're tempted by lust or some other thing like this. But secondly, to vo- to vocally say Christ was wounded for me when uh, when under assault from the devil. Perhaps he means uh, not so much temptation to sin, but um, to th- temptation to despair, condemnation from the devil in your conscience. But anyway, there's two d- two practical things that he's telling you to do in times of temptation: to meditate on Christ's suffering and death, and to vocally say Christ was wounded for me when the devil Mm -hmm. is seeking to blot our conscience. This is like, this has been helpful for me. Maybe people intuitively know these things or other generations knew them. Um, I can't say that that's was true for me. So um, how do you, how do you deal with temptation? How do you deal with uh, the temptation to avoid um, confessing Christ under pressure on the one hand, meditation on his suffering and death for you, on the on the penalty of sin, on the on the great weight that Jesus bore for you, and secondly, by vocally confessing that he's redeemed you with his blood. Yeah, it's uh, it it is good to to see in in these hymns how they speak of the wounds of Christ as being vivification. Uh, Mm-hmm. Not only because of the forgiveness of sins, but also uh, enlivening of the spirit towards courage to face that. Um, mm-hmm. it, the translation that you have di- didn't say courage, but I think in LSB it talks about giving courage um, to face the the lusts or the yeah the lusts of the flesh or some other kind of temptation that it revives us in such a way and enlivens our spirit uh, so that we don't um, kind of fall into the, well, it's always going to be like this. Uh, yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. The, the, yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, stuck in the rut, uh, go, you know, mm. heading in just one direction. So. Yeah. That's, it's an interesting way to, that's a, it's a good point um, that you're, 
that your combat against sin and death, even in little things, against sin, even in things that seem small, and even when you have failed in the past, and are and are, and or maybe have failed in the present, that the that that warfare matters. But also, as you said, the thing that we forget a lot of times is that you know I've been re- I well that all of all of the in Christ's flesh. Christ's flesh is life-giving and all of the power of the Godhead is in his flesh and we are united to his flesh. And so what these two things are asking or teaching to do is to say, essentially claim that who Christ is and what he has done belongs to me. His, his forensic declaration that I'm righteous before God and also all the gifts that are in him. I mean, we don't get to you know, take them all and use them as, as we want. But he, but his power over sin is for us. The, you know, his, his, his holy flesh is for us. But I found it, that verse to be helpful at various times, simply as a, you know, very practical matter. How do you deal Mm -hmm. with it when you're overcome by temptation? And uh, this, this guy's telling us, you meditate on Christ's passion and you speak, and you say, Christ Christ died for me. Christ was wounded for me. So I don't belong to you. It's like, yeah. I find that to, I, I, I think that oftentimes is what is, that's a big problem in our churches. That for, the, for those who go to confession regularly and have a confessor who gives them counsel on how to, um, how to live a Christian life practically, then this maybe is not so necessary, but for many of us, that's not the case or hasn't been the case. But these hymns do yeah. sort of point, uh, they, they unload some wisdom of, pre, of Christians of previous ages who were maybe more in tune with what it is to live a life of piety. So that's that one. Um, and well, since I, we're low on just time. To, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, just to, to jump up on that. I mean, it's kind of like, in the second section that you're talking about here, you know, our Lord's discussion about, you know, he who is faithful in a little is also faithful in much, that that we, we begin by the small little battles and yeah. uh and and engaging in the war in that way, the every second decisions or the everyday decisions that we make, the the, the things that we do there uh, have uh a either deleterious effect or kind of redound to great benefit over time. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the the daily um, the daily work of I don't like to call it work, but I mean the daily work of meditating on the scripture and prayer. If you're you know showing up to pr- morning pr- when you're a pastor, having morning and evening prayer. Even during those times where it seems dry, um, that's where you are storing up the word of God for temptation and also for pastoral care later. Um, but yeah, a lot of us are a lot of us are um, are look back now at middle age and go and realize it was the small unfaithfulnesses, the, the things that you just didn't think were important were actually vitally important that's where the battle was that's where character was formed yeah yeah that's it 
All right. So your third section is preparation for death. How is this a training for martyrs? Okay. Um, man, I had some, I had some other ones in the Christ section too, but we're, we'll move on. Like you said, cause otherwise we won't even get to the preparation for death. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that, I think this is really important because, uh, we, another thing is almost as though people think that they, I, I would say, you know, having a church with mostly people older than me my entire time in the ministry, people don't think about this. And uh, in, in you know, in, in the Reformation, the uh, you find the, like, if you use Stark's prayer book or something like that, you use prayer books from that time period, you use prayers for them that time period. They're always praying that they don't die suddenly. They don't die an unprepared death. Um, what I often hear from people now is that they want to go. I understand why they say it too. You don't want to have a slow, painful death. I get it, but um, they didn't. There's a there's sort of not really a sense that death is something that needs to be prepared for. And um, but that I think is a. It's not. It's. I mean, on one level, yes, you're prepared to die by every time you come away from the Lord's supper, you're singing that you're prepared to die. You're prepared to die through faith in Christ alone, but people underestimate the extent to which when death, when the fear of death comes upon people, how hard a struggle it is. Cause even our, our Lord, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, when he was r- wrestling with death, sweat drops of blood, um, we shouldn't imagine that that's going to be our last struggle. We shouldn't imagine that it's going to be easy. So uh, if you look at TLH, you'll find some, uh, you'll find a lot more of these hymns, but number one, one of the great ones that didn't get in the new hymnal is TLH 585. I fall asleep in Jesus wounds. It's two stanzas long. It's from Paul Aber in 1569. I fall asleep in Jesus wounds their pardon for my sin abounds. Yea, Jesus' blood and righteousness, my jewels are my glorious dress. In these before my God I'll stand when I shall reach the heavenly land. With peace and joy I now depart, God's child I am with all my heart. I thank thee, death, thou leadest me to that true life where I would be. So cleansed by Christ, I fear not death. Lord Jesus, strengthen thou my faith. Hmm. So, Number one, I fall asleep in Jesus' wounds. The G- the wounds of Jesus cover me. So he, he all his he prepares for death by, um, by leaving everything to Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also in the second stanza, he says something that you know people maybe know but don't often say until until they get to the end of their lives and they they learn it by experience. Um, I thank thee, death, thou leadest me to that true life where I would be. So, cl- and then he's uh, so cleansed by Christ, I fear not death. So, um, if we, if we are, I think in our teaching, we want, we don't want the sort of I don't fear death that you hear from people a lot of the time, which is where they have never been, they don't really realize what they're going into and they haven't been tested. So they're ready to die because they're they're sick of this life, or it's sort of false bravado. But not fearing death because you have faced it, you've you've come, you've been, you've 
you faced your sin and, and the reality of it. So you've looked at the passion of Christ and realized that this is what your sins deserve. And then, but then you have, um, but then you have uh, comforted. This is what Luther talks about in his sermon on meditating on Christ's passion. On the first, the first use of his passion is to see the serious wrath of God against your sin. And the second mm-hmm. use of his passion is once you've been terrified by his wrath that you look nowhere else. You don't try to flail around and find defense for yourself. You cling solely to, you hide yourself in his wounds. Um, I think that is, I, I don't know, that's what you want to teach people and also teach yourself. That's, it's mm-hmm. in that, that's, uh, that is the, the spirit, I think, that enables someone to go be where Luther was with your life on the line. And, uh, it's like what, what Peter says, whoever has, I think it's first Peter, whoever suffered in the flesh is, has, has, has done with sin. Do you know, you know the verse I'm talking about? Yeah, it sounds familiar, but I can't remember his first or second Peter. Whoever. So what he's saying is when you, you, when you've, when you've gotten to the point where you are, uh, he's saying that once, uh, once we have, accepted uh i think what happens a lot of times is people are you know i believe that christ died for me but they haven't um they haven't prepared themselves for death when you actually mm-hmm. are getting ready to die it's a, a totally different thing have you ever had a a, a a a member of your congregation who seemed strong in the faith and then they were getting ready to die and they were suddenly stricken with terror and they were shocked by it by it they didn't know what to do with it yeah. Yeah. And did they get mad at you? Um, or were uh, you able to comfort them? Um, they, they weren't ever mad at me, but they were, uh-huh. um, they were scared because, you know, suddenly they didn't measure up and they'd always yeah. thought they did. Yeah. Yeah. I had, a, I had this happen and, uh, you know, the man, among other things, the man was maybe the man was, um, embarrassed because he didn't, he was like, I thought I had a strong faith and now I realize, you know, I don't. And it's shameful. What he was not like, he had never been taught that, um, terrors of conscience are not surprising. So this hymn is kind of saying on the one hand, um, or, and the, and the other, and the other hymn about meditating on Christ's passion. On the one hand, we recognize that our sins brought Jesus to the cross and on the other hand, we recognize that Christ has borne all the wrath of God. And in that spirit, we're able to um, go forth not fearing death. So it's it's a it, it's not the it's not a cavalier. I don't I'm not scared of death. I'm ready to go anytime. And I've never actually contemplated the wrath of God. But on the other hand, I but 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 that I have, and I realize it's been swallowed up by Christ. And the other great hymn about this is um, Luther's hymn. Uh, there are other ones in the TLH that we haven't, that we don't know. But Luther's hymn, which I, 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 I think pastors should try to teach their people this hymn, is "In peace and joy I now depart," which is mm-hmm. his setting of the Nunc Dimittis. "In peace and joy I now depart, since God so wills it. Serene and confident, my heart." Stillness fills it. 
for the Lord has promised me that death is but a slumber. Uh, and then Christ Jesus brought this gift to me, my faithful Savior, whom you have made my eyes to see by your favor. Now I know he is my life, my friend when I am dying. Now, if it's kind of really similar to what we already said in, in, in uh, the St. Patrick's hymn. I go to yeah. face death, but Christ has promised me that even though it looks really bad, this is a slumber. And so my heart is serene and confident. The hymn is teaching us to see death uh, the way that God's word says that it is and not the way we feel that it is. And I think that's probably a key thing through all these hymns. If you look at suffering, if you look at difficulty as being what what the Lord says it is, blessed are those uh, who are, when people say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake, if you look at, if you are able to see it that way, you, you, you see it through God's word, your emotions and your feelings about it will gradually fall into line with mm-hmm. the word of God that you're holding to. But oftentimes what drives us away from suffering and difficulty is that we look at, we look at it, we, we look at it as our emotions tell us that it is. So these hymns mm-hmm. are training you to, to look at these events, whether it's death or suffering, as God's word, um, they're witnesses to what God's word says about these things. Yeah. It's almost as if, I mean, how many times, let me rephrase this, how many times does Peter or Paul um, or John in the epistles say something to the effect of, have this mind among yourselves? Mm -hmm. It's almost as if these hymns, along with uh, the scriptures and what you're talking about here is, it's the frame of mind that you have, and it's a retraining of what what our knee-jerk impulse is. Uh, and so it's have this mind among yourselves uh, that that uh, I- in this case, uh, suffering and death, uh, though it be um, uh, difficult and painful and uh, you know terrors of conscience come, um, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, that mm. that this is not, um, th- this is actually being used by God for your good and your betterment, mm-hmm. uh, and that it's going to be just asleep. And this is your passageway to the uh, the fruits of w- what our Lord has accomplished for you by His death and resurrection, uh, and so on. Yeah, I like that a lot. And what I what struck me when you're saying that is um, the way that this is a corporate thing. We stir one another up to, to, so often we try to do, especially, so, so often we try to do life as a Christian in many ways on our own. You know, you go to church and um, at least the, maybe, again, these are things that this is how I see it, but it appears to me that oftentimes we try to do it on our own. Paul's saying, have this mind in you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. He's saying it corporately, Right. And yeah. so the the hymn, the hymns that you sing are we're in, we're encouraging and training one another we're, to think about to think about martyrdom to think about bearing witness to 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 people outside of the church who seem to be totally not li- interested in listening 
we're, we're training, we're in training and encourage, encouraging one another to see these things as the Lord says that they are. And so yeah. I like that you brought that up. It's a corporate thing. We simply can't, I don't know. It's, we, we, we need to, we need to, it's kind of like um, trying to, you know, so often as pastors, we fall into this trap of um, you, you know, you stuff stink. You're not doing well. And then you go to the pastor's conference and everybody's bragging about how well they're doing. So you're like, I'm just not going to go to the pastor's <laughs> conference anymore. <laughs> but you, you really need the encouragement of one another. You need, you need, uh, you know, the team, you need the, you need the, uh, when the other guy, when the other guy, on, I'm, I wasn't in, in team sports a whole lot. I played solo sports. So that's mm. not, that's not very good for this, but when you're on the team and the guy that you respect and who people care about, you know, encourages you either like holds your feet to the fire, but, or he says, good job or whatever you, you know, you're, you're empowered. And that, that and, and what, that's what you're talking about here. Paul says, have this mm-hmm. mind in you and the church Luther saying, the Lord has promised me that death is but a slumber. And so I don't look, on our own, trying to look at death as but a slumber is pretty tough. But if you have yeah. other people telling you, your mom tells you when you're a little kid, X, Y, and Z, your mom tells you Jesus is your savior, you listen to her. And the fact that everybody you care about is a Christian when you're a little kid is like a, a wall around you. Well, the church church is supposed to be doing that for one another too. And the hymns are part mm-hmm. of the way we do that. But yeah, death is scary. It really is. Uh, and so for us to stand up against it and not fear it, which is what Christ is teaching us to do and Christianity is teaching us to do, requires the encouragement of all the saints. Mm-hmm. So the last category is encouragement towards the goal, pointing us to our hope. Yeah. There is not as much, well, maybe I just didn't, I didn't, you find this in um, the Bible, and I have never really thought about it before. Maybe other people have. But, you know, the verse from Hebrews, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, mm-hmm. um, let us run the race marked out before us. So you aren't the first one that's done this, right? That's the idea. Mm-hmm. But I never, it just never really, I never, it didn't really click with me. But um, the... Uh, there are several hymns that sort of mention this and they hold, they, they mention the, the saints that have already finished and are, in, are like, are, are sort of rooting for you. And they also point, put the hope in front of us. So um, one Columbus hymn, another Irish hymn, uh, 539, Christ is the world's redeemer. Christ is the world's yeah. redeemer, the lover of the pure, the font of heavenly wisdom, our trust and hope secure, the armor of his soldiers, the Lord of earth and sky, our health while we are living, our life when we shall die. And then I just wanted to say that because it's he's the armor. So it goes yeah. back to that. But then Christ has our hosts surrounded with clouds of martyrs bright who wave their palms in triumph and fire us for the fight. Then Christ the cross ascended to save a world undone and suffering for the sinful, our full redemption won. So we have the martyrs, the one like the older brothers, the ones who have you know are are you know they're our older brothers. They're like mm-hmm. the ones who've done it before us, and but they don't. But they love you, 
and they're cheering for you to come and finish the same race as them, which is like, that's exceedingly like, that's a happy thought. And then uh, the other one, the other one that I wanted, I wanted to bring up in this regard is the Advent hymn is when I, well, it's not an ad, I guess it's Advent in one of the hymnals and it's end times in another. The bridegroom soon will call us, come to the wedding feast. May slumber not befall us, nor watchfulness decrease. May all our lamps be burning with oil enough and more that we with him returning may find an open door. There shall we see in glory our dear Redeemer's face. The long-awaited story of heavenly joy takes place. The patriarchs shall meet us, the prophets holy band. Apostles, martyrs greet us in that celestial land. Their God shall from all evil forever make us free from sin and from the devil, from all adversity, from sickness, pain, and sadness, from troubles, cares, and fears, and grant us heavenly gladness and wipe away our tears. Now this, yeah. this holding the hope before you, I think maybe not everybody needs to be taught this. I think some people actually do this, but I will say that I did not. It's all, I, I don't know why. But that really ought to be the one of the one of the things that the hymns are teaching us, along with scripture, is that we always have before our eyes the prize, the the hope of our calling. I don't know why. I can't explain to you why why that hasn't always. I don't know if that's true of other people, but I I would say most of my time as a Christian, the thing that I use to encourage myself is that I'm justified, which is, mm -hmm. I still do that. And I, and you should do that. But also because I'm justified, I have the certain hope of everlasting life. And, um, the expectation of that, the hymns teach us along with Romans chapter five and the whole new Testament, that that should be before our eyes daily, that we have this certain hope given to us. Mm -hmm. What do you think of, um, for all the saints? Yeah, I mean that I that came to mind. What which verse are you thinking about? Well, I'm thinking of uh I mean, you have the um stanza 3, you know, oh may thy mm -hmm. soldiers faithful, true and bold fight as the saints who nobly fought of old. Mm -hmm. Um and I mean that one is win with them yeah. the victory's crown of gold. Mm -hmm. Or stanza 5 and when the fight is fierce, the warfare long steals on the ear the distant triumph yeah. song and hearts are brave again and arms are strong alleluia 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 yeah yeah i mean it's awesome and it came to mind that i don't know why i didn't put that in here but um yeah that one is i mean the whole thing is is uh but i love the distant triumph song part yeah that's like, not great yeah because you're like oh man and then uh but that's what it is. That's kind of what we were talking about earlier. You, the Lord, you have to, un, we, I don't, I don't know. I just don't think as a general rule, anybody thinks this way, except for um, pious and w very well catechized pastors and laymen. But I'd say on average, most people don't think this way that the Lord, you are as a Christian, you're set up for conflict and the Lord is going to lead you into tests or to tribulation, because that's the mm -hmm. way it, that's the way to the heavenly land. But then he gives you relief mm -hmm. after the trials over. He gives you, he gives you rest. You know, he, 
sends the angels or he, you know, he leads you beside the still waters or whatever. And, uh, that's what it's talking about, right? You're in the midst of the fight and you're like, ah, oh, I can't take anymore. And then, um, the gospel is proclaimed. The gospel, yeah. the gospel sounds in your ears anew and you're, and you're amazed to hear it as though you never heard it before. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's invigorating. And, um, I mean, and even the, the tunes to some of these are uh, just as invigorating. Any, um, any thoughts on incorporating this in terms of a plan? Just pick one or pick one per quarter uh, to just really kind of focus on? I mean, I think to me, I did not get, give any thoughts to practicalities, but uh, which I should. Yeah, you should teach, um, you should find these hymns and, and make sure they're sung regularly enough that people begin to know them by heart or not necessarily by heart, but you know how it is when you're a pastor, the hymns people like to sing and the hymns they don't know. Once they, if you sing a hymn long enough, then they start bringing the hymn book up with them to the communion rail or whatever. The, Mm -hmm. some of these hymns, and I didn't even get to all of them, but they should be known like that. And then you can begin to instruct them what it means. But I think the bigger issue is um, individually, especially if you're a pastor, you, the, it's kind of like there, you, it's hard to teach people why the liturgy is valuable. They like you're teaching it and they don't know it yet. You're just sort of, you know what I mean? It's, it doesn't work. It's hard to teach people from outside. You learn it by doing it. Mm -hmm. So these hymns, they become, you, you begin to see what they're uh, there. You begin to learn what they're teaching you as you sing them a lot or as you use them a lot. So I yeah. think, but it could be though, as a, since you, if you want to do this practically, you could consciously, and maybe I should do this, take five hymns like this and um, you use them in catechesis, like specifically conscientiously teach people um, about Christian warfare. Maybe don't use the word martyrdom, but about Christian warfare about the um, about facing difficult things and you and and you specifically teach them you know a mighty fortress and is is our God might be a good place to start since everybody knows it mm-hmm. and you so, show how it applies to the fact that um, but I think to our to to how it applies to the to Christian warfare but I think the big thing is there has to be is we have to be conscientious about changing people's mind about what the nature of the Christian life is. It's a conflict and it's a joyful conflict. It's warfare. It's supposed to be hard. And yet it's joyful because we already have the victory and we, Mm -hmm. we fight under the banner of our Lord. Yeah. Happy warriors. Yeah. I mean, it's boring. It's, it's shame. It's shameful to, to, to never want it's joyful to bear Christ's name in this world and to to bear what he bore in this world. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time, Carl, um, and for all this insight, the, the great hymns. Um, so I guess my kind of parting um, advice is uh, not necessarily the pastors, but to laity. Um, I, look, we've got some great resources online 
uh, not just Gottesdienst, but I mean, just on YouTube, people are playing these hymns uh, through. If you need to learn the tune, uh, you know, just search for it out on YouTube. I bet it's probably its tune is is already recorded. You can learn the tune uh, and take this up at home. Um, uh, maybe before you go to bed, uh, maybe before you head off to work in the morning, uh, sing it at breakfast uh, and and steal yourself for the fight. Yeah, uh, and um, and and let the word of God attached to this music uh, invigorate uh, your life in Him, and and so that you will have the same mind among yourselves as you have in Christ Jesus. So thanks, Carl. Thank you very much. Thank you.